Hello, this is the Exiting Your Echo Chamber podcast where we learn how to be in the world but not of the world. We also try to understand how we can navigate the various worldviews that are available so that you would give the reason for the faith that we have. We bless God for giving us this day. We are going to have another discussion. And before we just proceed, let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for taking us through these discussions for so long and your message has been with us our deliberations and all that we set out to do we we've seen your hand even with us and we appreciate it so much we ask that even as we have another discussion another conversation about sensitive issues and how to equip ourselves even in this world that we find ourselves grant us grace and may today also honor you in the mighty name of jesus amen 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 yeah, I think we had an exciting um, our, our past conversations have been um, um, very great. For last week, I just realized that maybe it seems to me that if we wish that we could have extended the time, right, to cover a lot more ground. But yeah, let's let's see how today we go. So um, we we looked at we looked at the elements where um, we looked at the part where we how Jesus, I mean, answered questions and how he interacted with people. Yeah. But today we are going to consider something that we've titled a spiritual landscape. And now, you know, should I say, I mean, first of all, um, when we say something is spiritual, like well, what comes to our mind? What do we mean by something being spiritual? Any takers? And we can just bounce off each other's um, points and you just take it from there. So Papa Dollar, my spiritual Papa, what do we mean when you say something is spiritual? When we say something is spiritual, it pertains to the spirit. <laughs> uh, I, remember, I, remember, I remember Dr. Gajay says uh, this kind of definition is like saying a hole is a hole in the ground. Anything that pertains to the spirit does not pertain to the flesh. So it's something them being spiritual I means that's outside the domain of the flesh and mm-hmm. operates within the domain of the of the unseen. So yes, the spiritual refers to the things pertaining to the spirit or the unseen realm outside the realm of the flesh. Yeah, that's for me. Okay, Grandpa, uh, you can go. Yeah, yeah, sure. So for me, when I hear spiritual, I think of the immaterial. Uh, yeah, outside of the car, you know, reality, the things that we can see, touch. And it's and in experience with our senses, uh, and but when I was thinking about that, I realized that there are other things that you know uh, can fall in that category, but we know necessarily the spiritual, like you know, emotions and all of that. Um, so I think that maybe I'll, I'll uh, go along some definition, you know, where it says that the unseen realm, you know, I think in uh, should be Second Corinthians 4, verse 16, where Paul says that those things which are seen are. You know, temporal, but those things which are unseen are, you know, permanent. And I think that in that part, we're referring to inspiration. So, yeah, it's called the unseen realm. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I mean, I, we have a scientist over here, so I think I'm in a safe place to attempt, uh, attempt, attempt to make some points, right? So, I, I mean, we, we, we use the, word, the term immaterial, and I think some also use um, um, well, unseen. But, I mean, we know we have stuff that are the very, uh, the is it atomic or even or even subatomic right level and all that so just if what, what would you say if someone comes across and says like 
our whole conception of what the spiritual is basically a realm, if we may, that we've not devised the, the, the tools yet to see. So it is not, it could, it, could, it could just be the same as something at a microscopic level or in a particular wavelength, but we just need um, the necessary tools to be able to, I mean, appreciate what we what we refer to as a spiritual. Like, what would you be your comment on something like this? I mean, yeah, I want I want the scientists to start for us. I'm 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 not really hearing your question. What would I comment about? Um, the, the fact that, so so we have stuff that are the subatomic level and even maybe yeah we have stuff like that. Maybe you can term subatomic level, but we're able to view it special tools. So I mean, we're using the term immaterial and um and seeing how can if someone says that the whole conception there's nothing like beyond what we term the physical but it's just because we've not developed the necessary tools to be able to perceive such thing that's why we are just referring to them as spiritual but i mean science is advancing and we can have the necessary tools to view some of these things what would be your comment on it okay yes well okay from the science point of view yes we have things like microorganisms and until the invention of the microscope um, somewhere around the 17th century, we really had no idea about the existence of microorganisms. So we mostly term microorganisms as organisms that you cannot see with your unaided eye. So the president can be right to say that because we don't have the right um, mechanism, that's why we are not aware of what is going on in the other realm. So even if you look at scripture, we never knew about the existence or we knew very little about the existence of demons until Jesus came on the scene. Because apart from um, maybe the instance of David um, playing a harp to um, drive away a spirit that was tormenting so we knew very little about the spiritual realms in terms of um, demons. So yes, because we did not have the right to so we, with, in terms of the spiritual realm, yes, we also need to have the right tools to be able to relate with the spiritual world. And personally, I believe that for the spiritual realm, we discern spiritual activities. And that's why I think Paul was praying that we have the spirit of revelation to know what goes on behind the scenes. So you may not know what is happening until you have the right apparatus. And for us, Personally, the Bible is like our microscope through which we see behind the scene. And there are so many examples in scripture where things will be occurring in the natural. And to somebody who does not, in quotes, have the right to see, may be ignorant of the fact that, taking, for example, the birth of Jesus, if it was not for the Bible, we would just think that it was an ordinary um, thing for Herod to say, let them kill all the children below the ages of two. It was an ordinary thing for Mary and Joseph if the angel had not visited them. It was an ordinary thing for the, the innkeeper. But behind the scenes, things were operating. So if someone does not have the right tools, of course, he'll be ignorant of what goes on behind the scene. And because the fact that you are ignorant about it does not deny its existence. It, it, it's there. So the fact that you may not appreciate microorganisms, they are, they are what is keeping us alive, basically. So in the science, we like to call microorganisms the life that's sustains life. So in the same light, the spiritual realm is the life that sustains the physical life. 
and until you have the right tools to discern the activities that go on beyond your physical senses, you will be robbing yourself of 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 what <laughs> of an advantage in this life. Yeah. So that that will be my comment. All right, that, that's great. Kwampa, if you want to make any submission on uh, yeah, Sam's point here. Yeah. I think that for me, what I would probably say is, you know, we have, I'm not much of a scientist like Sam. What I would probably say is that I think there are a lot of things that may fall in that category of unseen or immaterial. I don't know, maybe Sam, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think even something like air, right, can, you know, fall in that because you don't see it, but it's not material either, but then we, you know, we can experience it. And so, I mean, if you want to take a body like that, then you can put so many things in that category. And then when you see something like, it's not just develop the right tools. Um, the spiritual is quite, you know, very specific. Even though by definition, it may seem broad, but it's something, you know, very, very specific. And there's a way, you know, to contact it. It's not about developing, um, materials, uh, scientific materials and stuff, equipment to be able to see or examine the spiritual, but there's a way, you know, to be able to contact the spiritual, and the people are doing that in almost every culture um, civilization or society, you know, they have a way that they, they relate to the spiritual, and even if people who claim not, I mean, to believe in all these spirituals, I mean, little do they know that the spiritual is actually having an influence or an effect on them. That's that's why it's causing them to, you know, think that way. And so um, there's a there's a specific way to contact the spiritual, and it's not about developing, you know, new um, equipment or scientific tools to be able to do that. Because people already do contact the spiritual without developing those tools. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, this this I mean, you use that term. I think I, I, I it was um, you use the word. Um, experience right so i think maybe the scientist the, the one who comes with such a question might be committing i don't know whether i'm using the correct term but a, 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 an error of categories roughly speaking i i think there's an, an appropriate term for it because i mean when you want to bundle stuff that belong to that don't belong to the same category and you try to judge it with the same yastic as in the, the scientific method and all that you you tend to make some um what mistake but i mean this this was just by way of trying to understand what we mean by uh, spiritual right we are looking at how to we've been discussing how to engage people how to i mean escape um exit our echo chamber and all that but i want us to i mean as we we, we come from a christian worldview right so how do you see the the, the nature of the spiritual um how do you see um, the, the influence of the spiritual, right? Even if there is, I mean, that's that's one thing. Whether there's an influence of the spiritual in how someone forms their worldview or how one's echo chamber um, develops, or it's merely like by reason of, uh, I mean, reading text and reading books and just doing, I mean, knowledge. Let's let's. It's just is a mere knowledge the differentiator of it, or there are what we might term as deeper. I mean, that would influence someone in Spain in a particular echo chamber or subscribing to a particular principle. Yeah. If anyone is ready, you can just give it a go. Um, please come again with a question. So I'm saying that we've been looking at the echo chamber, how to engage others and all that. And I want to know, do, do we, 
do what, what are our thoughts? Do we think there's a spiritual component in how someone would conclude that this this is what I subscribe to? Or is just merely, I mean, the availability of knowledge. So the knowledge they are merely exposed to without any unseen influence. Uh, is that clear? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yes. Um, there's a there's a spiritual component to to it, but then, um, this statement I've made, most people would interpret it based on your cultural understanding. That's why. Ideally, I wouldn't want to use the word spiritual component because naturally the African view of the spiritual component is, is quite some way. But yes, there's a spiritual component to it in a sense that even with... um, So you, let me, I wanted to say this before. You see, when it comes to the things pertaining to the spirit, it's outside the realm of the flesh. That is why you won't find any... Um, educated material or any scholarly um, information on the spirits. I'm yet to see a professor or an expert in spiritology come up with any material because it's outside their domain. So all the materials you'll find on the spirit have to do with religious um, leaders. So back to your question, yes, there's a spiritual component because there are always forces that enforce physical activities. And as I'm saying, I'm afraid how people would interpret um, what I'm saying based on their culture. That's why, but I, I, I'm also not finding the right word to, or the right wording to communicate what I really want to say. But yes, to answer the question briefly, there's a spiritual component to our echo chamber, which is mostly enforced or which is mostly entrenched by our, um, by our physical attributes. Let me see if I can give an example to make it a bit clear. Let's say that um, I remember one time I was having a discussion with some people about um, white blood cells, how um, allergies happen, that sometimes some things enter your body and they are not necessarily pathogens, but your body identifies it as harmful. So you'll be interested to know that some things like this can exist in a family. Maybe this particular family, we are sensitive to something which maybe can be found in snails. You get it. Then because um, we were not really educated or our forefathers were not really educated, they may come up with a conclusion that maybe snails are the protectors of our family. So if you come to Ghana, for instance, almost every hometown or every tribe or clan has an animal or sort as a as a symbol of of the tribe or the community or whatever and most of these things came up due to things like this maybe people were allergic to something in snails or to something in a particular animal and they couldn't find out any understanding to with them to attribute it to their gods so this information is passed down from generation to generation so maybe they may give birth or they may be a descendant in that line who may not have or who may not respond to something that, or who may not respond to what uh, most of the family members respond to in, in the family. But because he or she has been told that um, snails are our protectors, we do not eat snails in this family. We do not touch snails. They are our, I don't know which word they use, but let's say our keepers, our protectors. These things, these things, if he believes it, it may entrench or enforce or invoke a spiritual back into it because this person believes it and because this person has subjected his life to it. 
So then this person may not necessarily respond or his immune system may not respond to it. But because of what he has believed and come to know as true, there's a spirit, it attracts or it invokes the spirit component of life. And that would enforce the person from having or will cause the person to have the same response um, to it. And, and you can even see that in blood groups. Before we go to know about blood groups, about um, A does not mix with oh those blood groups, the antigens of the blood groups. In our traditional setting, we, we thought that, oh, maybe the Kwashi family does not, we have something with the Okran family. So whenever the um, children from this family, they marry, they can't give birth. And to them, it's because the gods are saying something. But it may be purely genetics in the sense that because of a blood group we have, that is why when, or maybe the sickle status, that is why when two people from that um, different families get married, they are not able to give birth. But then they were not aware of this. So to them, it's a it's a spiritual something. And this information, as I said, can be passed on from generation to generation to generation. And it can become entrenched to the extent that it can invoke the spiritual component of life. And because people end up believing these things, it ends up really working for them because there's a spirit that enforces or backs what, what we do. And especially as believers, it becomes more deadly for us because the Bible says that angels have been given to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. And you may be interested to know that sometimes our attitudes can really cause us to um, entrench some things which really, really were not true. And the Bible even said that God gave them up to their own delusions. So you can believe a delusion to the extent that now God will give you up. And immediately God steps in the scene. It becomes a spiritual because God is spirit. So you may believe a particular delusion to the extent that it becomes or it invokes a spiritual component. Then the echo chamber has, in quotes, metamorphosized <laughs> into this. And echo chambers are strong. And the reason why they are really strong and entrenched is because we have allowed them to settle in our lives for a long period of time that for a particular group of people, um, it, it, it really applies to them. Um, I hope I was able to tackle your question. So yeah, that's that's my response. Yeah, sure. I mean, there are a lot of things that I'll come back to. I think we'll pick a lot of things off your point and also the, the submissions compiled. Maybe I'll come back and go ahead because I mean, some will come back to, I picked a, a few points from what you say, so we'll come back to it again. Um, Kampa, can you make, okay. what are your thoughts on it as well? Yes, I think that with the question, uh, when you ask a few things, you know, came to mind, we just, you know, just made a statement that you should be careful what you hear and how you hear, right? Because what you keep on hearing, you end up believing. And once you keep on, you know, believe, once you start believing something, it gets to form sort of a stronghold in your mind. And so, you know, when you read Second Corinthians 10, I think verse 3 to 5, you know, where Paul says that, Fortified uh, for the weapons of power are not kind of as mighty through God. They're pulling down strongholds. And the verse 5, we say that we bring down imagination and every thought that, you know, every knowledge that rises itself, every thought that, rises, that raises itself against the knowledge of Christ and bring everything into the obedience of Christ. And so, it, when I see that, I realize that when someone believes something or someone, um, a thought or an idea has formed a stronghold in someone's mind. Um, even by being in an echo chamber, clearly it goes beyond, you know, the physical. I mean, there is a spiritual passing to it, which is causing the person to continually believe that. How was the person even introduced to that echo chamber? It's another thing. Because 
you know, that's how for me, that's how I think, that's how I think the devil works. They just exhaust, just a suggestion. And then little by little, he's exposing you to that kind of knowledge. And then you keep on exposing yourself to it. Then it begins to form like a stronghold in your mind. And once it forms a stronghold in your mind, then I mean it takes over you completely. And then because and because what you believe will inform, you know, how you live or how you act, right? It's what you believe that will inform how you, you should live or how you should act in this world. And so God is definitely concerned about how we should live. The devil also wants us to live or wants people to live in a particular way. And so clearly there's going to be a spiritual backing to um, what people believe or the kind of echo chamber that people find themselves in to cause them to believe in a certain way, think a certain way, and then ultimately act a certain way. Yeah. Yeah, these are, I mean, very, very, I, I've noted out a couple of things that we would be tackling. This is very enlightening. Um, yeah, enlightening. Now, um, so some made some points. I mean, from all that you're saying now, I mean, what if I I don't, because it, it seems to me that the influence is upon those who would um, acknowledge, uh, let's say, this spiritual i mean because there, there was a part of it that seems to me that the spiritual roughly speaking is kind of um isolate um it's only present in the um the religious circles right so i mean in circles where they are secular they don't um really what we term as sacred i mean regarded as spiritual and all that they don't really have the same kind of reverence for it and they don't acknowledge it as such and there's a term that is normally used, known as God of the gaps, right? So it's it's like, I mean, explaining it briefly. So God of the gaps, some use some examples where because of genetic circumstances, right? A particular tribe now has a totem or whatever, as an animal as, a, um, as their totem or whatever, and they reveal And because of circles, so they, they come up with those kinds of theories and that becomes the explanation. I mean, they attribute it to a God. But then we find ourselves fast forward and we are like now we're able to explain the the scientifically we're able to explain whatever was the issue right so does it then mean that the, the the whole idea of the spiritual was just because we didn't have an explanation so the god of the gaps idea is there are many gaps in our knowledge right but we are as, as far as the they want the science some of us um scientists want us to believe they are they are closing the gap with knowledge as knowledge comes um, as, as we get to know stuff we keep closing the gap that's what they are saying so that is where they kind of box the religious people oh i, I hope you are I mean, I mean the point i'm making is quite clear so how so the people who are, who are trying to make such points that they don't have any regard for this the spiritual as well and do are they affected or is this for the people who are, who are in the religious space Anyone who's really can take it and hope it's the question was clear. I mean, does it only affect those who acknowledge the who are in the religious circles here yeah, and acknowledge our things? Oh, I, it affects everybody. As I said, um, we deciding to believe it or not really um, is like, as I said, with the example of microorganisms. Before the study of microbiology started, microorganisms were already in existence, they were already doing what they were doing. But just that we did not know them, so we could not um, capitalize on them, or we could not use them to our advantage. But when we became aware of them, we started exploiting them to our advantage. So um, those who do not acknowledge the spiritual, it it's to some extent, especially when it comes to the negative side, or both the negative and the good side, 
because they would okay, be in okay, certain situations. Okay, okay, okay let, let, let me come in this way. So these are people who I would say they don't, it's not about them not acknowledging the spiritual, right? They acknowledge the phenomenon, but they don't want to tie it to the spiritual. So yeah, that's what I mean. They acknowledge the phenomenon, right? But they don't want to tie it to the spiritual. I think that's how I, the point I actually wanted to make. Okay, okay. Yes. Um. So for those who don't want to tie it to the spiritual, does it still affect them? Yes, it still affects them. Because just that the, the issue is that because they don't believe it and they don't want to draw the connection, they take certain decisions that may be to their advantage or may not be to their advantage. Let's say that um, a family is cursed because of the action of someone. And as I said, I, I really want to be careful with what I'm saying because the, this thing is, is truth. It's a, narrow, it's a narrow path. We Africans, we stretch it too much to, um, to a particular extreme in the sense that every single thing has a spiritual connotation. Yes, it does. But how we interpret that spiritual connotation is our issue. And generally, if you go to the Europe or, or if you go to the West, they believe that there's also that extreme that nothing is spiritual. It is purely um, an act of man. So there's a there's a thin line. If there's and you see that even in the in in, in a Western family, if maybe there's a particular family um, with with drug addicts, with drug addicts. Sometimes you may realize that even though the child was not brought up in the same environment as maybe their father or their mother who was a drug addict, the person ends up growing up and doing the same thing the father does because maybe because of a spiritual connection. But we must we must, that is why as a as a believer you should you should be educated you should be able to draw the line. The Bible says that Jesus is both the power of God and the wisdom of God. So what we do as Africans is that we take the power aspect of God, neglecting the wisdom aspect of God. And what the the West people do is that they take the wisdom and they neglect the power. But to both wisdom there are limitations. And to both power, there are limitations. So, for example, if you are in the West where you believe that everything is knowledge, you it won't take you long to realize that there are certain points you get to in life that your knowledge, your wisdom is just not enough, especially when it comes to the area of health, when it comes to the area of sickness. You should see the way cancer is really terrorizing their lives over there with all the studies that chemotherapy is doing, nanoparticles are doing, they still realize that they are way behind in so many aspects. And we, on the other hand, too, we would want to base ourselves on just power, just power. When some things, just a simple change in lifestyle, like maybe washing your hands or properly cooking your food or keeping your sanitation clean, can prevent you from getting access to certain illness that either through you would have described as spiritual. So I think that the balance is what is really important. The Bible said a false balance is an abomination to God. I know many of us have not appreciated this thing. It's an abomination. It's an abomination. So if you're not able to draw the line between when something is wholly connected to the spiritual and when something is wholly, holy, and I'm using the word holy because in both instances, there will be a mixture of it, of, of the spiritual aspects, as to the the physical aspect. So we as Christians always have the upper hand because we are well versed in the spiritual and we are also well versed in the in the physical. So we should always have an advantage to our case. So look at people like Steve Jobs. I don't think that Steve Jobs, I believe he's dead, the founder of Apple. I don't think that Steve Jobs 
um, will not have had access to the best treatments if when, um, when he fell ill. But he still fell ill, regardless of the knowledge or the power of knowledge at, at this era. But imagine he was aware of the spiritual aspect. And by the stripes of Jesus, he was able to activate the finished work of Christ in his life. That would have given him the upper, upper hand. So we as Christians must be intelligent enough to know when to use the power of God and when to use the wisdom of God. And just to conclude uh, on my point, look at God when he was dealing with Jesus. Look at the way he delivered Jesus from the hands of Herod. God could have easily just slapped Herod on his throne and that would have been all. But he kept telling Joseph, Joseph, run, run, go and hide in Egypt. Come back for me. So it's as though God is weak. Ah, isn't this a whole God? Why are you playing hide and seek with Herod? He could have easily just um, slapped his finger in heaven and everything would have sorted. But at that point, the wisdom of God was at this point, not necessarily the power of God. But when he came to maybe healing the sick, raising the dead, then the power of God came to this place. So even God applies both of these things because God has set in motion principles which the earth is governed by. And these principles must be respected largely. And knowledge is a principle. Knowledge is a key in the realm of the physical. And when knowledge comes to an end, then the spiritual must come to a standstill. So sometimes you can wake up and you are feeling ill all of a sudden, or something is not right all of a sudden. It goes beyond the realm of the physical. And now we as Christians should be able to descend. You, you get it. We should be able to descend what is happening. And Jesus did the same thing. When Peter came to say that, I will not allow you to die. At that moment, Jesus was able to descend that this is not a man speaking. It's actually the devil speaking. So he said, get thee behind me, Satan. But yet another time, Peter will make some statement and Jesus will say that, Charlie, you are so ignorant or you are so dull in hearing. So in those instances, it was not the devil that was speaking or it was not the spiritual elements that were reacting. It was just the ignorance and the lack of faith of the disciples. And Jesus was clear to say, this one, it was the spirit or it was the devil. This one, you people are just not having faith. You are just not understanding the things I'm saying. So I think we it's, it's, it's a balance. And finding that balance, especially as Africans, our African Christians is very, very, very important. And it's something that it's, it's, we should really take a look at. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's very an uh, exhaustive um, take on this. Kwampa, if you can come in, I mean, the whole thing about, hope, hope we still have the question in mind, right? The whole thing about... Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can go. So please go ahead, please. Just oh, you can go. go I just wanted to repeat it, but if you are, if you still have oh, a okay, question. Sure. You know, if I answer, you know, whenever I answer a question, I really wish I can go before Sam because when Sam, when Sam is done talking, uh, I yes, yes, please, please, please. But you know, I, I can't, I can't right. also gather myself as quickly as I'm able to do so. It's <laughs> okay, I read it. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think that for me, I'll come from the angle where I think that when you gave the example of the God of the gaps, it just stems from a, a skewed understanding of what the spiritual is. Um, so, as Sam said, people try to explain everything away with the spiritual, like every little occurrence, especially in African you know, society, like every little occurrence, you want to tie it to something spiritual, like sometimes it's crazy, I, I don't even know. So, I think that that's where that kind of thing comes from. But Nonetheless, as you said, whether or not you believe in the spiritual, it's still going to have an effect on you. And uh, I think that it is, um, how do I say, what you, it is the spiritual which will even affect or have an effect on how you believe or what you believe. Let me put it that way, highest. 
is the spiritual which will even cause you to believe a certain way or a certain type of way. Now, so one way or the other, we are, we are all being affected by the spiritual, whether you acknowledge it or not. Because the example that is coming readily to my mind is, you know, like say the resurrection of Jesus. Now, with the right spiritual knowledge, we actually we believe in the resurrection of Jesus and we believe that it was God that raised him from the dead. But someone with the wrong knowledge will look at that whole scenario and say that, oh no, that didn't happen. And that's wrong. There's no God. It's like, you know, all sorts of things. Just trying to explain away, you know, that uh, fact or that, you know, historical event. And so, based on how they explain that, it will also affect their belief system, right? What they believe in. And it will make them more um, natural, naturalistic or it will make them naturalist, not believe in the spiritual or the immaterial or being uh, or just think of the world in terms of just the material. And so just that um, one knowledge or that's one spiritual knowledge about the facts of Jesus' resurrection is going to affect every part of their life. And so that decision not to accept the resurrection of Jesus is not merely a natural decision. It is definitely influenced by uh, a spiritual being or a spiritual force in order to keep you in a certain, um, in order to keep you, you know, in a certain state as a human being, right? In order to keep you in a certain state as a human being, because if you definitely change your mind on that belief, that means you are getting to a different state where God actually wants you to be. And so, whether or not you acknowledge the spiritual, me, um, it just shows that the spirituality has an effect on you one way or the other. Whether you acknowledge that there's such a thing as the spiritual, there isn't a thing as the spiritual. It just proves that the spirituality has an effect on you, and so it can have an effect on you in many ways, like as Sam is saying, you can put you to one extreme where you are just attributing everything to the spiritual, or put you to another extreme where you are not attributing anything to the spiritual, everything to you is just the material. And those are two states that you know spiritual forces would want to keep you in in order to prevent you from being or knowing what God wants you to know, like having the right or the true spiritual knowledge. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, thanks, thanks for your submission. You know, you know the whole idea about the spiritual. And um, so, for for those who are very familiar with this whole um, apologetics uh, landscape, and um, we have people that we 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 acknowledge them as engaging the culture and all that. So the likes of uh, Russell Moore, I think, um, is it Mula the one who does a brief briefing? Albert Mula, right? Yeah, Mula. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of them. And there's, there's this guy of blessed memory known as Jay Gresham Machen. Jay Gresham Machen. Now, I got to know this guy through um, um, one Christian hip hop artist, Flames album, known as Forward. Then I just looked this guy up. And he's one of the, the guys who actually, who was a Christian, right? Who actually stood up against um, the secularization of the culture, where all kinds of, um, where, where the, the, the moral, all that we term sacred are erased, all that we value, I mean, our various value systems were erased. So he's one of the guys who stood up in the culture where his reputation and all that were at stake, where, I mean, standing up for such a thing could would cost him. I mean, getting to know a little more about the guy, then I discovered, um, I, I came across an article written by John Piper. I mean, John Piper is also a minister of the gospel as well. And one thing really stood out for me, I mean, because the the, the, the thing about engaging the cultures uh, or executing your echo chamber has to do with interacting with people, right? Interacting with people. And by interacting with people, we, in one sense, we see, um, I mean, if I'm having a conversation with someone trying to 
I mean, have understand their worldview, trying to understand where they come from and all that. We see it on one level, we just see it as merely a fiscal um, exercise, right? But one thing that stood out from the, uh, it was more of an, should I say a comment or should I say, an, let's say a comment on um, an article on the life of J. Gresham written by John Piper. And he made a comment that his prayer life was like, I mean, the guy did a lot, but all that has been written about him, you don't really come across his prayer life, which is, I mean, in it's, it's one of the spiritual, um, should I say, practices, right? And that's that, that really got me thinking. That really got me thinking because he, he stood up against the culture and all that, and did all, all that. But the fact that for, for every believer and for those who have actually done great things in the kingdom of God, one thing that is quite evident is their prayer life. I mean, our Lord and Master Jesus Christ had a prayer life which was well documented. And we have many people who did great things, but this guy also did great stuff. And we, it looks like a lot about his prayer life is not really mentioned. And there's something that is very likely, for, I mean, you, you can easily identify in the apologetic circle where they we try to do with all the isms and you go back and forth doing all the philosophical debates and all these things. And it looks like it's just the um, should I say academic and scholarly exercise, right? So the, the, this one thing that really piqued my attention. So the the I want us to like just look at um, how do we think um, that the spiritual and I think we've missed some submissions already. But let's say in a typical conversation with someone, how do you think? What do you think is the intersection between the physical and the spiritual? I, I think someone already made a point where he says it's basically about finding the perfect balance, right? But in a typical conversation, you might want to use an example in scripture or your personal example, just having a conversation with someone, trying to understand them. How, where, what, what do you think? Um, which role do you see the, the spiritual uh, plane or when you try to engage others? How do you do? You, involve the spiritual as well as the physical exercise of um, talking to people and trying to know their views. So yeah, I mean, it could be very pra- a practical experience or something you've read, or it could also be an example in scripture that you think you can glean um, an approach from. Anyone who's ready can 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 give it a, a start. Okay, Kampa, you can start for us. It's, okay. it's clear. Um, when you are trying to talk to somebody, especially you know about the gospel and about God, about Jesus, I think that that's something which is very, very spiritual. You know, even to have the desire just engage somebody on such a on such a topic, because you know the interesting thing I've realized. I don't know if it happens to anybody else that no matter how much I do this, anytime I'm trying to approach somebody, it's like there's a nervousness there. It's like a bit a bit of resistance there that I always need to try and overcome, no matter how many times I do it. Like every time I'm trying to maybe talk to another person, it's a bit of resistance, like thought will come, because the person is not interested and all of that. But I still, you know, it's just about resisting those, um, you know, those thoughts and then just, you know, going ahead and talking to the person, because that's exactly what, you know, God will have you do. And so definitely just to have the desire, because from the natural uh, standpoint, you have every reason not to talk to the person about Jesus, like this somebody just goes somewhere, like mind, mind your own business, do your own thing. Why go to bother the person with all of this stuff, right? But then you just find yourself going in that direction, something moving you to go and do it, to go and talk to the person. So I feel like that's something which is very, very spiritual, which is you know, God actually, you know, Philippians uh, 2 13 says that for God is at work in you both to all and to do for his good pleasure. So definitely God is 
actually working in you to do the right thing, to even engage somebody. I think that that's the first thing that I'll say. And then, you know, secondly, when you're having such a conversation with somebody, um, uh, this is Paul also says something that when, when I think to the church in Corinth that when he when he came to them, his words were not in, or his preaching or his message was not in man's wisdom or something, but then in the power of God, that their faith may not lie in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God, right? And so I think in that scenario, what he's actually talking about is that he could have come and then he could have just wowed them with some, you know, high sounding knowledge and you know, some metaphysical, all kinds of things, you know, philosophical, you know, Greek at that time, there was a lot of, uh, you know, Greek philosophy going around. He could have come and just bamboozled them with all that kind of thought, talk, but he came to them with the message of the gospel or the message of our Lord Jesus Christ, as simple as it may seem. But that is the power of God on the salvation. And that message, you know, actually just changed their life and transformed their life. And so that message in itself, teaching that message in itself, is a spiritual force or there's a spiritual backing to it. Like Jesus told us that it is the Holy Spirit who, con- who convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. And so you can see the Holy Spirit actively at work in such a conversation or something like that going on, right? And so you can go with your own plans, with your own ideas, with your own method. Like, I want to even go and do it. This one, I'm going to talk to this person. No, I'm going to follow this formula. I'm going to do this. But then in that moment, the Holy Spirit can just, you know, minister to you. No, do it this way. Say this or instead of this. You know, even in Scripture, there's, there's something that happens in the book of Acts that, uh, you know, I'm talking about the Holy Spirit wanting us to preach the gospel, right? But Paul, Paul then wanted to go to a certain you know, city to go and preach. But the Holy Spirit resisted them or prevented them from going to preach. And now when, when I read something like that, it amazes me like, like that was a commandment that Jesus gives them, go and make disciples of all nations. Try in obeying that command. The Holy Spirit was actually resisting and saying that no, don't go here, don't go to this place. Because he wanted them to go somewhere else to go and preach because they would have more fruits there in that place. So definitely, you cannot ignore the spiritual, you know, in such a scenario. You can go with all your facts. You can go with all your um, research, everything prepared. But in that moment, the person you are talking to may not need all of those things. And it's just wisdom for us to rely, you know, on the power of God. It's good to be prepared. It's good to have everything in place. But just don't rely on that too much. But rather rely on the power of God and the wisdom of God in that moment. Trust me for wisdom and direction to lead you in that kind of conversation or scenario. And I think that prayer also, you know, this is a very, very important tool. Prayer will show you that you cannot do it on your own. You cannot do it with your own power, with your own strength. And that you need the help of God. You need this leading, you need this direction, you need the strength, this courage, you know, boldness. In in Acts chapter 4, the apostles were praying for boldness. I think after James was killed, you know, it takes boldness to even kind of strike such a conversation with somebody. And boldness, you have to, the apostles pray for boldness. So boldness is not something that will come to you naturally, but it is through prayer that you can, you know, get boldness. And so we can see all, all of these things just show that, you know, in dealing with, with such a scenario or having such a conversation, you cannot ignore the spirit. You cannot go with your, in the mental realm, with your intellectual, you know, ability and all of that. You might just irritate the person and put the person off totally, but in relying on God and His strength and the Holy Spirit, in that moment, He can give you more than more food than you know 
uh, any work of research or uh, mental um, capacity would have given you. Yeah. All right, so. Okay. Um, yeah, I agree with what Grandpa shared that in the first place, going to speak to someone about the gospel is not something your flesh is likely to tell you. Your flesh is not or your yeah, your flesh is not really interested in you going to preach to someone. So you already taking the step um to talk to somebody about the gospel, about Jesus in itself. It's a it's a spiritual activity. It's something that your flesh would hardly ever tell you. It's like your flesh will never tell you to go and pray or to read the Bible. That is not what the flesh has time for. But just to take your question a step further, if in a conversation, then if in the conversation at some point, spiritual gifts may come into play. A word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, or a prophecy may come. And then you would have to, in quote, change the gear from gear one to gear two by entering higher in the spirit, uh, for the lack of better words. But then in, in, a, in, a, in a conversation with people, uh, as I, was, I said earlier on, that I think discernment is really key because there have been instances that I've been talking to people at work. For me in particular, I have, I have a particular colleague at work and because of him, I'm really careful when I'm talking to an African man. He spiritualizes every single thing. And that's why I keep saying that I'm scared when I talk about spiritual things to an African. Because of the way our cultural background, our traditional background has, 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 give, has tilted our opinion about Christianity. So, for example, I was talking to him and he had an issue at work. And... After, like, our, our boss was not happy with him about something he was doing, and I, I told him about it. Then his first response was that, hey, people don't like me. Oh, hey, my village people, oh, mm. you see, that's why I wake up every morning to go and pray. When he finished talking, I told him, actually, man, what you are saying is not accurate. Why our boss is complaining has nothing to do with the spirit. It has nothing to do with your hometown witches or has nothing to do with people hating you, but it all boils down to your laziness. And this is where Africans really have a problem because they will give you work to do and maybe the deadline is on Monday. He doesn't even read the mail, the company mail to find out about it. He will read the mail maybe on a Friday. Something that the deadline was the Monday that came before the Friday. And when this is on a Friday, you'll be like, me, I don't see, I don't see, I don't see. Then the boss will come back two weeks, three weeks after I already given the deadline that, sir, where's the work? then you will now want to play smart or now want to make an excuse or now want to pressure. So he has been doing it consistently for a while. And the first thing he could say was that it's his hometown, which is why not making his boss, why not making our boss like him or making people talk about him. But that is not the case. He's just been purely lazy. He's just not appreciating the fact that he has to work. So sometimes you'll be having a discussion with people especially maybe ladies, they'll come and say, I'm spiritually married. That's why nobody's minding me. And I've come to believe personally. One spiritual instructor says that before you blame the spiritual, he says 99% of our problems is not because of a witch or a wizard or a spiritual influence. It's because of our attitude. And in that same light, our attitude can so enforce a thing that now there's a spiritual back into it. And that's what it becomes. It graduates from from um, an attitude to a behavior to an addiction to, yes, so something like laziness. Some people are just purely lazy and it has transcended from being occasionally lazy or from being once in a while lazy to being their chronic behavior. 
And when it gets to that point, then there's a spiritual force backing it. And you see, many a times as Africans, we are really so quick to attribute everything to the spiritual, when in most instances, it is your behavior. So in having conversations with people, you as a believer, you as someone listening to this podcast, discernment is very key. Because especially when you are talking to an African, we are so quick to attribute everything to the spiritual. When it's our choices, it's our behavior, and it's our decisions. And um, and the Bible says, choose you this day. I have said before you, life and death. And the choice you are making would determine your words, whether you would live or whether you would die. And the life and death trans the life and death in that instance transcends beyond just the physical life, but transfers or uh, it it goes towards our relationship with God because your relationship with God is life. Immediately you have no relationship with God, you are dead. That's why Paul refers to us that once we are upon time dead. So we must, you as someone talking to someone, you must really be able to discern when the thing transcends the physical. And I gave the earlier example that in some instances, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he knew that it was the devil who was causing Peter to say what he was saying. At other times, he knew it was not the devil. So I remember some episodes ago, I think Krampa made an example of this scenario when Jesus was talking to them about the living of the Pharisees. And these people, their mind went straight to bread. Jesus looked at them and said, ah, you people still, ah, you are still not babbling my conversation with you. We are talking about the teachings of the Pharisees and your mind is going to bread. So in that instance, the reason why they didn't get what Jesus was saying or the reason why they made some comments, it had nothing to do with the spiritual, but just because of their dullness. But at that instance, when Judas was misbehaving, the Bible said that, and the devil entered into Judas' heart, and he went out to go and do whatever he went to do. And again, Jesus told Peter, get deep behind me, Satan. Jesus called Peter the um, Satan. He was able to discern that at this moment in time, it is not your flesh that is misbehaving. It's not your natural sense that is misbehaving or that is speaking, but it's actually a spiritual element. So in our conversation with people, it's not necessarily just in preaching the gospel or sharing the gospel. In a normal conversation, you should be able, you should be sensitive as a believer to be able to tell when people are making statements or when people are drawing conclusions or drawing wrong conclusions. Especially when it comes to maybe the issue of marriage, I am spiritually married, that's why I'm not having a boyfriend. Just to befriend this person and you see the terrible attitude this person has. And yet the person will never see the thing that but the person will rather say the witches in my area, there's something, something in my area and that thing really really pisses me off about africans we are extremely a lazy group of people if you look at the people in europe a young person by age 16 by age 17 the person starts working but here by age 16 by 17 you are calling an uncle you are calling a cousin send me money for this send me money for that and you end up living this type of life a life of a little sleep a little slumber a little folding of the arm and by the time you are age 40, you have realized that you have not made much about your life. And the only thing you can attribute is that I must go for someone to pray for me. I must go for oil to be laid upon me. When it has really little to do with the spiritual, but with an attitude that you have so entrenched in yourself, thinking that it's a decision. So I think we, should, we need to be really discerning when we are talking to people to be able to know what it's actually behind the scenes. If it's a spiritual influence or it is just their will and their attitude. Yeah, that's it for me. Yeah. So I mean, I mean. Yeah. Um, can I just? Yeah. Yeah, you can come in. Yeah, you can come in. So. Yeah, sure. Just, just to say, and I, I think that yeah, I, I agree. You know, largely with everything that Sam said. What I just want to add is that you know, when, um, when people have that kind of behavior, 
you know, an attitudinal problem. Yeah, can you attribute it to the spirit? Just like mentally, they have not accepted the situation in which they are in, and they're just trying to find an excuse. And you know, that's in itself. So even though they are, they may be right that there's a spiritual influence on them in a way, they've got this completely wrong. Because from my understanding, right, the, the greatest battlefield is the battlefield of the mind, or the greatest point of spiritual warfare is it, giving of the mind. Right. That's why, you know, the scripture will say things like, you know, uh, be spiritually minded. You have the mind of Christ. You know, renew your mind. You know, because once you're able to change your thinking, you can change everything around. And so if that spiritual force or whatever is able to get you to a place where your thinking is so skewed and that yeah, everything has everything that happens to you, you're attributing to a witch or a wizard. That witch or wizard has got you exactly in the place where you want you to be. Because even though he's not influencing the things going on in your life, influence you to think that everything going on around you is because of uh, the, the spiritual workings or spiritual workings going on around you. And because of that mindset, it's going to keep you in that cycle forever. But then that's what I'm saying. Once you quickly just make it, you change your mind quickly, then just change your attitude. Everything around you, you know, could easily change. Yeah. yeah. I mean, some some of the issue um, saying that people, I mean, that uh, this is just, just uh, I'm saying this in jest, but I mean, where you you are like, okay, the reason for uh, me, uh, the, 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 the person in question, not let's say getting a spouse or getting a beloved or all that is because of what you might term as spiritual influence. But for all you know, I mean, the negative attitude that is uh, preventing him or her from getting a beloved is what is <laughs> as a result of spiritual influence. But let's let's not uh, drill further to that point. We we can get into a rabbit hole. But but like, so far, I mean, what what I've come to I mean appreciate from what you said is the fact that it seems to me that generally it's it's um it's a matter of understanding nuance, right? And as Sam mentioned, discernment. You realize that uh, last week when we were, uh, I mean on the last episode when we were looking at how Jesus Christ addressed some issues, you realize that he employed discernment very well because most of the time, even in the conversation, the, what we came to understand is the question behind the question is not really clear, right? It's not very evident for people to, I mean, for you to even address. And as touching um, thing that involves, let's say, the religious or that involves salvation as the Christian, we put it, you know that, I mean, the, the, the lives of, there's a contention between the dark, the dark forces, that the devil and light, right? And these things always come to play. So for us to really know and properly diagnose the situation and have, I mean, choose our appropriate words and know how to address the question, discernment is something that has to really, really, really be on point. And that's a gift that you, when you get, you, I mean, you are basically going to be very productive or you'll be able to have um, a lot more results. And that from uh, some of our initial submissions, uh, I think you made use of the term, and even in this submission, you talked about the fact that the battlefield is the mind, right? And you made the um, submission that, uh, I'm using the scripture where he says that we should hold every thought captive and bring it under the submission of Christ. All right. So now, um, how, cool. so, um, we are still looking at how they, they interplay between the spiritual and the physical and all that. Um, and one thing that is, so it seems to me that for every 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 worldview, which we have, you just kind of in a reductionist form, just roughly put as an echo chamber, has the stronghold that's undergirded, right? And when you 
ever tried making the attempt of even exchanging or engaging another world view. It's like two strongholds that are in contention at the moment. Now, from what we got to understand, we should be careful how we hear and what what we hear and how we hear those things. And these strongholds keep building in our minds, keep building in our minds, keep building in our minds, right? So how we are looking at... So the interesting thing is that whenever we have a you have a conversation, you listen to anything, whether actively or passively, it has a way of finding a place even in your mind somewhere. It has a place of, a way of just hiding in your subconscious, if I, I may say, like within a particular place in your mind that it would affect your your, your decision making, it would affect your behavior without you even knowing. So the, 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 the whole idea of nature versus nature, right? Most of the things we get to know, it's basically due to nature, right? Uh, sorry, nature is the, the internal one, but nature is like the things around us and all that. So how do you think we can arrest everything thoughts and bring it under submission to the authority of Christ, ever thought, how do you think we would be able to do it? I mean, what are your thoughts on, I'm looking at arresting thoughts and I'm asking your thoughts, quite interested. So how do you, how do you think we can actually do this? Yeah, how do you think we can really um, arrest every thought and as Christians, bringing it under subjection? By by reason of this, we are, we've actually been able to come out of our coaching by and engage other thoughts that would be thrown at us without them overwhelming us or having an influence on us. So how do you think we can do this, knowing that there's a spiritual contention, arresting every thought and bringing it under the submission of Christ? How can we do this? Every thought, I okay, mean, yeah. every, every thought, yeah. Every thought, yeah. Let me go first, that's not again. See, I mean, every thought. <laughs> yeah, for my own good. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, the ability to recognize the source of thoughts that you know comes to your mind right and so that is why one thing that you know you need to really do is to you know ground yourself in what you know or what you believe because when you are bringing yes you're you arresting every thought to the captivity you're bringing every thought captive to the knowledge of christ i mean that you must actually know christ very well to be able to you know do that and so i'm assuming that that's the um, scenario here under which you're asking that question and so once you are able to, you know, know that quickly, you can you can easily, you know, differentiate between the thought that is, you know, coming from God and one that is not coming from God. And you know, immediately you recognize it. Immediately, like when seeing that every thought, immediately you recognize that thought. You have to quickly, you know, in your mind, just check it quickly before you believe. Is this, you know, does this align with Christ? If it doesn't, then you have to quickly immediately you just have to discard that thought and not even consider or ponder over it. Because the more you consider it, the more you think about it, the more you ponder over it, the more you just you know give it the, the like the slightest chance or the slightest opportunity, a little room, it can cause so much havoc or so much you know project, um, disaster in your life. There's a scripture um, in Romans, in Romans 13, 14, that says that make no make no provision for the for the flesh to fulfill its last thereof. Yeah, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its last thereof. It's like don't even give it a chance. Immediately the flesh tries to you know shake itself for that. Like in that moment, you just have to kill it like then and there. And that's how basically you need to deal with thoughts because 
immediately there's a thought coming like of oh, how you believe see this Jesus thing crap is it oh like you know, yesterday you know Jesus said that we should pray we shall have whatever you say I pray that I ask for this within three weeks it doesn't come then you know you're, you're thinking about it like eh, it's true this was the first time crap last time it also happened this and this and this and this and look at even this my friend she doesn't even go to church you know I go to church I pray I fast I so see everything but let me use some example. I, I don't have any development, but this girl crashed. She's not doing anything. She's not going to church. But she has all those things. And you know, the more you are pondering over those things, it's going to take root in you. And then it's going to start affecting how you behave. And the next thing you realize, like, oh, you, you reduce the number of hours you pray or how often you go to church. You stop doing some things naturally because um, the thought has given you the idea that you don't need to do those things anymore. It's not necessary because uh, the reason why you're doing is that you're not seeing anything, you're not seeing any food. And so, going, and so the more you're pondering over this thought, then you're taking root here, you're going to start affecting how you behave. But immediately the thought comes and then you are arrested, you bring this knowledge of Christ. That, no, you know, I, it, it doesn't matter if I don't have, you know, a beloved now, you know, because it, my life is not about just getting a beloved. If you don't get the one, it's good. But no, we are here for a higher purpose than just you know, getting something like that. And so the fact that prayed and then I'm doing everything that I need to do and then, you know, I'm not seeing certain results. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know, there's, there's no need for me to engage myself in those activities because they have a, a much higher purpose or a better purpose than to give me what I want to get. And so it's, I mean, immediately you have to search thought. It's just better if you, you know, um, arrest it there and there and then, Check it with the knowledge of Christ and see if it's not compatible. You have to just discard it. And it sounds like a lot of work, but it, that, that's how Christianity is. It's an active thing that you always have to be, you know, on guard. You always have to really, you always have to prepare. You know, Paul says, uh, I think Peter says, get up the loins of your mind. Like, your mind, you have to be always ready. Arresting thoughts, once it comes, just discarding it if it's not from God. Because when you're, when you're not discarding the thoughts from God, then you're actually, you know, considering it's on your right. That's also a lot of work. But you're not seeing it that way because probably that's how your flesh is also or happy with you do it. And so it sounds like a lot of work, like being active on it, being hard on it, being like very intentional about it, about your thoughts, what you allow settle in your mind. Like you have to be very, very, very intentional about it and making sure that once a thought crosses your mind, you quickly check and see, you know, where is this coming from? Is it from God? What's the, what's the use of it? What's the point of this? And then immediately if you realize that it's not from God, you quickly have to just discard it and then, you know, keep your mind, set your mind on the right things. No portion that sets your mind on things above and not things on the like. So like, you can actually set your mind. You have that power. Be able to set your mind on what you want your mind to focus on or think about. You're not like that powerless. To do that, no. It's like every thought that comes in my mind, guys, oh, it, uh, it's like I don't have control over it. It can just cause me to be thinking hours and hours on this. You know, you actually have the power to decide what you want to think about. So that's what portion that sets your mind. So you can actually set your mind on the right thing. Because when you see something which is wrong, just be discarded. And then rather set your mind on the right things. Yeah. Yeah, Sam. I see, Mr. Grandpa. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to say what yeah, Grandpa said in the few words, but it's basically the same thing. Um, we must see Jesus. He is the accurate or he is the truth. So we must judge everything through the lenses of Jesus. I remember in one episode, I was talking about the fact that um, 
if you are wearing a particular shade and maybe a glasses and the glasses is green, it will affect what you see. Maybe you see something blue as red or whichever. I've forgotten my primary colors and secondary colors. It's the same thing. You should judge everything by Jesus. And how do you do that? It's by rightly dividing the word of truth. It's very interesting that the writer chose to use those words. It is not by just reading the word of truth. It's by rightly dividing. Because sometimes the echo chambers that we find ourselves in is because of inaccurate um, Bible interpretation. And how will you know if you are rightly dividing the word of truth? It's when Jesus is put at the center is when you interpret everything through the lenses of Jesus. Is when you interpret everything, putting Jesus at the center of your interpretation. Meaning that nothing or no interpretation you should give should contradict the personality and the message of Jesus. So, for example, if Jesus says that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I have come that you may have life and that you may have it abundantly. Jesus has given us the true identity of who he is, and he came to represent the Father. This is who the Father is. The Father is not somebody who steals. He's not somebody who kills. He's not somebody who destroys, but he's somebody who gives life. Yet again, James said that do not err, my beloved brethren. Do not err because there's a likelihood of you being in error. And James gave us the right thing to see. That our Father is light, and in Him there is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. So these are the ways that you should be interpreting Scripture in the light or in the lenses of God, and by then you bring every stronghold to captivity to the knowledge of God. And what is the knowledge of God? That I have come that ye may have life, and that ye may have it abundantly. What is the knowledge of God? That God loves you. That he gave his one and only begotten son. I, I think I'm not sure it was this discussion, but I have a discussion with, with colleagues at work. And somebody the person reminded me of the story where um Jesus was walking through a town, I think, and they were laughing at him. And John, I think it was John who said, Father, should we call down fire? Like what the, what Elisha did in the Old Testament, looked at him, and Jesus looked at him and said, You do not know which manner of spirit you are. We our father's spirit, we don't call down fire to destroy people. So you see, these are the ways that you must interpret scripture in the light of Jesus. Interpreting Jesus himself said that so many scripture. There's one um on the walk to Emmaus when the Bible said that and he starting from the law and the prophets told the two people about the sufferings of Jesus and the glory that should come. So whichever portion of scripture you are reading, you must see the suffering of Jesus and the glory that he came to bring. And by doing this, we renew our mind. By doing this, we enter the word. And this is what David said, but the entrance of your word bringeth light. Ignorance is darkness. Misinformation is darkness. But when the light of the gospel, which comes by rightly dividing, is shown in our hearts, then we receive the truth. And by simply knowing the truth, Jesus said that you'll be set free. So the the the, the slavery of, of a bondage, of a struggle, is you, 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 you set yourself free from that bondage, from that prison of, of a stronghold, from that prison that you are a failure, from that prison that you won't you won't marry or your marriage will not be good, from that prison that you are a waste, from that prison that there's nothing good from you. That 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 prison will be you'll be set free from that prison where you encounter the truth. It sets you free. 
And there are so many instances I'm tempted to preach, but let me control myself. Papa Okran, over to you. <laughs> All right, I mean, these are very, I mean, very, very, very deep and enlightening. I mean, as you, you, you are speaking, I mean, I'm jotting out a lot of points and just kind of forming my thoughts on what, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, forming my thoughts on um, all that. Yeah, we can hear Now, one, one thing that is very, um, I think we all, we all, I think we made mention of it, right? We should all be very, very conscious of the fact that we are all prone to air. I mean, you don't have to put yourself in a particular, um, you don't have to be high-minded. Like, you, you should, <laughs> you should never, ever, ever think for a split second that you are beyond I mean, being brought down by a stronghold of a thought. Uh, so Someone, I think I some last week or a few, I mean, a few days or weeks ago, I was, I saw a video by, I mean, is it Miles Morrow? Uh, I, I forgot his, his actual name. What is this? Miles, yeah, Miles, yeah. I was having a conversation with um, Benny Hinn, right? One thing that he said was that he realized that basically ideas rule the world. And funny thing is that the idea, the ideas of people who are dead, that's a rule in the world. I mean, on, on Facebook, you'll be like, mm, okay, ideas of dead people. But when you think deeply about it, you realize that the foundation of almost all the various disciplines that we have at the moment were, I mean, a greater part of all the research and all that, a greater part of it were even predicted or initiated by people who are gone, right? People who are People are no longer there, right? So these are stuff that we should be very careful of. Thoughts have ability to shape. Thoughts are like, um, let's see. I mean, the Bible says the tongue is a small thing in your mouth. Um, and he likened it to, I think, uh, the he likened it to the, the what's the, I don't know whether, I've forgotten the, the correct term. Is this steering wheel? Or, it's not steering wheel, but I mean, of a captain, a ship. That, uh, that, that steer, steering, whatever, of a ship, which is able to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of a ship which is able to which is able to direct direct your life. And the the whole thing about arresting, bringing every thought captive is whenever you see the thing is whenever someone says something to you, right, and you don't have an opinion on the thing, or you um um lack of better, let me use somehow technical thing. You don't know how to pass the information that is coming to you, it kind of lands into your mind, right? So you've been able to accurately pass or let's say, let me use discern what the person is saying. That gives you the ability to um, accurately, um, what do you call it? It gives you the, the ability to accurately extract the truth from the lie and being able to fully know how to use that, right? So that's one thing I want to I think we can pick from here. Yeah. And I mean, we see in scripture that we should be transformed by the renewal of our mind. So a lot of Papa made mention of the fact that a lot of the battle is just in the mind, right? A lot of things are thought. Um, some of the, the worst attack of the devil are, are thought. So it will be the, the thought that would challenge your faith, your faith, thought that would challenge all that you believed since, I mean, you became a Christian and all that. And one another thing that I find very, um, very dangerous is, Having, um, you see, uh, uh, some made mention of the fact that when you are talking about truth, it's a very thin line. If you stretch it by an inch to the left, you are off. If you stretch it by just an inch to the right, you are off. So it's like you are supposed to stay on the um, on the straight line. One one thing that can be very deadly is when you 
you try to, this is how I put it, when you err by creating a God in your own image, by fitting Jesus or God into a particular box. So you have a preconceived mindset, right? I mean, about how things should be. So if any truth is coming to you, you try to fit God into your own box. Like, so every every single, how you process things, it's always supposed to fit a particular um, mindset that you've already set. The stronghold, I mean, the, the truth that is coming, that's supposed to set you free and liberate you from that stronghold that is holding you captive. You rather subject to everything that Christ says to your own interpretation. And by doing this, I mean, I think the issue of, um, what do you call, betting, and you realize that uh, on one of the episodes when the issue of betting and all that came in, and even an issue of intentionally making excuses because of your own last prayer, particular lady that you is probably, um, you for from all indications, it wouldn't be good that you, you make the person your beloved, but because of your own last, you intentionally start making excuses for the person and accepting um, suggestions from the devil, accepting suggestions from the devil until you become numb to the truth that will, um, Christ is sharing and is just making available to you. And then one last point I, I want to make about the fact that sometimes you, you, are, you are not well, you realize that uh, in our first, um, I think our early, early episodes, we addressed, we talked about the fact that in one sense, echo timbers are very helpful depending on the stage of your growth, right? I mean, if you are not really grounded in that, the, the, what you believe you are not really grounded over the, it's kind of shield you. So the echo timber in one sense is able to serve as a shield. So shield you to be well grounded in what you believe before you step out, right? But if you find yourself in a bad company where if you are if you are constantly exposed to um, an environment that is um, I mean, with information that is not helpful to you, even though you might not be actively participating in whatever they are doing, you might be um, you might be closer to Sodom, right? You are not doing all that they are doing, but it's very likely that when the punishment comes, it's very likely that you are going to be affected. And if you don't take care, you are going to fall for their life. So scripture makes it very clear that we should not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts. Bad company certainly corrupt. So you, you you might think that I'm just among these kind of people, this group of people, right? But they are definitely going to corrupt you. And I believe by extension, when you continuously find yourself in an environment that reinforces the truth, or let's say by lack of that enforces a belief that is very helpful for your life, you also grow into it and it has a very great um, a positive influence on your life, right? So, I mean, I want to maybe take your, if you have any thoughts, final thoughts, that you want to share on what you are looking at a spiritual landscape you realize that we engage in exiting our equity but being able to do that in the first place takes a lot of spiritual grit and being able to contain is a whole spiritual i mean exercise so we just looked at the spiritual landscape of um this whole echo chamber uh, discussion that we've been having so if you have your final thoughts you can just share them with us on all that you've discussed today and yeah we can call it a day um okay so my final thought is the words of jesus he said for you make the word of none effect because of your tradition i have realized that especially as africans and as Ghanaians you'll be amazed to see um, somebody who has been in church, somebody who is a Christian, and yet still the person has, the person neutralizes the word of God due to traditions. It's it's so sad that somebody who has been in church for long, who has, has who is even maybe um, an elder in church, a worker in church, but when the person gets to certain points in his, his or her life, then the person just throws away the knowledge of scripture and rather succumbs to culture or the echo chamber the person was brought in, which contradicts the word of God. My final word to you is that let the word of God be your echo chamber. 
pay the price of studying the word of God. Pay the price of knowing God for yourself through the pages of scripture because you have the Holy Spirit. Pay the price to enter the way because for the entrance of his word will bring light into your life. Light will bring you direction. Light will give you deliverance. Light will make your life a smooth sail of journey. I really want to encourage those listening to us. Let the word of God be your echo chamber. Invest in it. Invest in rightly dividing the word of truth. And we are all learning. You will not get all your interpretations correct. Be humble enough when the Holy Spirit through the agency of another person or through directly. And he, he, the Holy Spirit is teaching you something new. Be humble enough to, to learn. Be humble enough to subject the Bible. I will give you pastors after my own heart who feed you with knowledge and understanding. Pay the price to know God for yourself. This statement and this truth cannot be overemphasized. And when you know the truth, do not drown the truth due to culture, due to your tradition, or due to uh, an echo chamber. But let the word of God prevail. The writer says, let God be true. Let him be true. If God is your protector, why the need for you to go and have a charm, an anklet? It's an insult to God. They are telling God that his security details is not good enough. If God is your comforter, if God is your teacher, your advocate, there is no need for you to cheat in the exams room. Unless you are saying that the knowledge God has, he doesn't have academic knowledge. If God is your father, your provider, there is no need for you to steal someone's beloved. There is no need for you to deceive someone to impregnate you before or as a way of securing him or her as, as, as your future partner. If God, if let God be true in your life, let God be true in your life, no matter whether the winds are blowing, whether the rains are coming or the floods are coming, because we know that every house, and in this instance, every life that is built on the rock, which is the word of God, you will stand strong in the changing scenes of light. Let God's word prevail in your life. Thank you. All right, Grandpa. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. All right. Let me, let me just go ahead. Yeah. I think that for me, what say is that, you know, what you keep on hearing, you believe. What you believe will affect how you think. How you think is going to is definitely going to affect how you live or how you behave. And so you should always guard what you hear. You know, these days, there's so much going on around social media, YouTube, you know, you go on social media, Facebook, you're going to see a certain video. It's as if someone has this opinion about this. Someone has, and you know, the, the thing about social media is that people can just get up and say anything they want. Nobody can, well, nobody will be responsible about that. Nobody will ask you for sources of what you are saying. It's like there's so much, you know, out there. You know, as someone said, just stick to what you know, which is the word of God, the Bible. Give yourself over to that. In fact, if once you once you give yourself over to that, and then you are well grounded, then now you can be, you can, you know, you can say you hear some of this and you'll be able to engage with it better. So just guard your space a lot. For me, I guard my space what I hear. There are some people, um, some preachers that I'll, I'll probably never listen to because, you know, not even non-believers, even preachers, I wouldn't listen to them. Not because they're not good, not because um, there's something wrong with them, but I'm guarding my space. I'm guarding my belief system. I'm guarding what I believe in. Because if I listen to them, they might swim me off what I believe in, right? So, just guard your space. And one thing I would say is that as you know, as a believer, just read your Bible. And I remember when when for me, like the turning point really that like when my life began to really change and you know, the Lord began to grow me closer to himself so that I would know him more and all of that. I was just reading my Bible one day and I saw uh, 
Scottish Crypto in Ephesians 1, 17, where Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus that God should give unto them the spirits of wisdom, revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of the understanding will be enlightened, that they will know what is the hope of responding and all of that. I've, I've never heard anybody talk about that prayer before. I've never seen it before. I was so surprised I feel like this is a very, very powerful prayer. And so why is it that I've never really heard anybody talk about it before? So I decided to, you know, pray that prayer. And when I prayed that prayer, I just realized that God began to bring people in my path or along my path that will help me to know him better, help me to see him in a different light from how I'd known him before and help me to just love him more and just, you know, grow as a Christian and mature. And so one thing I'll say that that prayer in Ephesians is a prayer that every believer, you know, should be praying. The prayer that I still pray today will help me to know, know him better and pray that prayer and then, you know, um, read your Bible. Last summer said, you have to give yourself over to the word of God. Like, know this word. Know this. It's something that you, you'll never get to the point where you say that you know enough. Like, oh, yeah, I've come to that point where I know that I know that I'm satisfied with the knowledge of God that I have. No, this, you can always know him more. You can always know him more. You know, even Paul even said that, that I may know him. Like, that all the things that Paul had done, how Paul knew God, Paul is still saying that, that I may know him. That means that you can never get to the point where you say that you know God completely. I mean, we can only get to that point where, you know, Paul said that we shall be, we shall be seen, we shall be known, we shall know, and we shall also be known. You know, at that point, you can say that maybe, we were, and that's probably been the resurrection, we would have come to a very accurate understanding and knowledge of who God is. But until then, we just keep on, you know, pressing. We just keep on pressing to know Him more, to know Him more. So how I leave you with is that. One, God holds you here. Guard your space a lot. Give yourself over to the word of God. Speak to the word of God. You read your Bible. It's very interesting. Christians like this, they don't read their Bible. We have Bible on we have Bible on our phones where different translations, so many translations out there just to make it very easy to understand you know, the word of God. But you are never reading. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible every single day. And then the prayer in Ephesians 1, I think it starts from the very very, very powerful prayer. And I believe that prayer, God will definitely honor himself or glorify himself in your life. And then for you, for you to, you know, have the right knowledge of who he is or have the right spiritual knowledge and not have, you know, the wrong idea of who God is or the wrong spiritual knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very, that sounds like a very great way to end. So, I mean, just a few points uh, from what you've already said. Realize that we are talking about exiting our echo chamber, but We've now come to understand that there's a very tough spiritual component of it. So you should actually, as Compass talking about the fact that you are guarding your space, he's he knows at a particular point you know the level that you are. You should understand, even if you don't know, you you get to a point you you within yourself you feel that there's a level that you are in. Certain information when it's exposed to you earlier than you can, you are able to. I mean, accurately descend or pass the information. It, 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 ha- it could have a detrimental effect on you, thinking that probably you have believed something wrongly, wrongly but um, in a sense, it was, it, it, you had the truth. I mean, all that's far, right? So we sh- even though we want to exit the echo chamber, but you don't do that in a rush. I mean, there's a, I think there's a part in our growth or our growth where we, I mean, we generally get to a place where so probably in essence or something like that, you feel that now you get to, you, you've come to know something. So, all that your parents might have taught you, you just want to um, throw it under the bus, stuff like that. We exit in our echo chamber. We really want to be in the world, but not of the world. But it's an incremental process, right? Even 
the same applies to people who might not be Christians, right? Eventually, we want you to come and know Christ, right? But you know, no matter how things are, Christ will find you. It could be an incremental process, one at a time, one at a time. To, to, to the point you become confident enough to have all kinds of thoughts coming in, in and being able to accurately address it. One thing that I also do, I mean, I mean, different personalities would come with different approaches to some of these things. But I try to meditate and think about a lot of things. Like personally, I try to observe every phenomenon and try to every all the real thoughts bring then i try to find god's wisdom and i any any similarly tough question and question that you wouldn't want to normally bring out in a typical um christian setting where it would come across as you are you did it seems you are going over the feet these thoughts come to mind and i actually think about them and i just talk to god about them that so i mean that's what i'm thinking about and by um, I I say this to the God's glory that no matter how weird some of these things seem, He always comes through giving me um some ideas, some thoughts that are very humbling, like very humbling. And sometimes I realize that my questions in the first place don't have any same ground, and they're like the questions self distracts and it's it's like the experience that you had with um God. I mean, God starts asking you questions and tries to break down your so-called allegations and all that against him you are like okay i mean i i started it but i, I redrawn like that kind of feeling right so let's just keep and i mean reading the word and prayer giving ourselves to prayer we, we the, 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 the nice thing is that when you behold what you behold is we are transformed into the image that we behold generally so what you give you you spend a lot of time so you don't you, you can't deceive yourself that you spend your time doing uh, nasty stuff in nasty environment and you think that you are going to have a different output by beholding we become that, that i think that's a spiritual principle you behold christ you become more like christ you behold something else you become more like that thing and that thing you should understand that no matter who you are you would i mean we're talking about the fact that some people would think that i mean they don't they don't consider things spiritual so they are not affected and that's just a, a lie because the thing is in in our human experience, what you give yourself to, in essence, become you. You become a slave to it, right? Scripture makes it clear that you give yourself to the flesh, you serve the flesh. Human beings, we generally serve, but then we have the, the the privilege of serving Christ, right? So that's what you want to yield yourself to, bringing all thoughts under the subjection of Christ, serving Christ. Because no matter who you are, you are definitely going to serve something, right? By your actions, you are going to serve more money, you are going to serve God, like stuff like that. But then you. Give yourself to um, under the power of you. You constantly submit yourself, even as a believer. Get grounded in the faith. Then from there, you know how to filter information that comes in, and you know how to also understand others where they are coming from, and be able to share the faith and draw them to the Christian faith as well. Um, want to have a short word of prayer, even as yeah. This um, this might be our. I mean, in this phase of the podcast, this might be our. Uh, last but one episode before maybe we start tackling something else so just want to thank god thanking god that father lord we thank you that you've brought us this far and this discussion that we understand and all that we engage in is very spiritual there's the souls of men are speak being able to have conversations that would draw people to that would also enrich our faith these things are spiritual exercises that we are praying that you give us more grace know how the spirit of discernment know how to answer people and 
know how to understand people and provide the necessary solution, be there for people and be the hope, be the light that would shine even in all dark places and make your glory known. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We hope the conversation was an enlightening one. Stick with us and keep listening to us as we delve deeper into the subject of exiting our echo chamber and truly learning how to be in the world but not of the world in the subsequent episodes. Thank you.